The Tehran Parashashmini lists the uh, animals, the fish, and the birds that one is uh, allowed to eat and those that one is uh, not allowed to eat. And the Torah, of course, lists the simonim, the identifying characteristics of a kosher animal, which is that it shosha uh, sesa, mafris parsa, it chews its cut, it has split hooves. And the identifying qualities of a kosher fish is that it has napir vikaskesis, has fins and scales. And then it lists 24 uh, trafe birds or non-kosher birds, as opposed, and all the other birds uh, are presumed to be accepted. And when it comes to birds, there are no simonim, as opposed to behema, as opposed to animals and fish. But unless one is a is an ornithologist, it's difficult to tell which exactly, you know, what species of birds are allowed, which ones are not allowed. And therefore, Chazal and the Mishnah, Misach, the Sanhedrin, and elsewhere, provided us with uh, simonim for the kosher birds as well. The common denominator amongst those birds that are not accepted, amongst uh, those birds that are accepted. But again, those simonim became difficult to apply. So the Ramah and Simon Pei Beis of Gimel uh, claims and uh, argues that one, in order to allow a bird, has to have a Messiah, a strong tradition, that that bird was one of the permitted uh, birds, even though the majority are permitted. There are only 24 that are unaccepted. The Ramah claims in order to permit a bird, it has to have uh, a Messiah, a tradition. Once the Ramah said that by birds, so the Chazanish, based on the Chayi Adam, claims that by animals as well, uh, one cannot apply the uh, simonim independently to a new animal. Rather, one has to have a masaira as well when it comes to animals, just like the Ramah claims with regards to birds. And that's why there's a discussion with regards to new animals that present themselves where we do not have a masaira, or perhaps don't have a masaira, with you know, buffalo and giraffe and different types, zebu and all the many different uh, types of animals that are newer on the scene, and we don't have a strong masaira. So that's where uh, the discussion begins, and that topic really deserves and warrants uh, its own discussion. However, with regards to fish, we find no such requirement. And no, no one claims you have to have a Messiah by fish. There are many different types of fish, you know, even subspecies, perhaps even more than the animal uh, kingdom. And within, the, uh, within fish, one has the liberty to apply, uh, it's universally accepted, one can apply the simonim and uh, determine the status of a fish, whether it's kosher or it's trade. Accepted or unaccepted. So the Rambam in uh, the Sefer Amitzis and Mitzis Hasei Kuf Memtes, in fact, claims that this is a Mitzis Hasei to determine the uh, the acceptable status or non acceptable status of an animal. The Rambam writes, We have a mitzvah uh, to check them with these simonim. And that's a Mitzis Hasei. He counts it in his list of uh, Mitzis Hasei based on the Pasuk of Zoris Hachaya Shatoch Limikol Behema Shela Oretz. This is the animal you should eat as opposed to the other ones. The Raivin, in his Asagas on the Sefer HaMitzvah, disagrees, and he claims that this is just a lav habomichlalaseh. It's a prohibition which is implied, meaning you shouldn't have an animal that doesn't contain these simonim. But there's no mitzvah uh, say to determine that it has them. You shouldn't eat a tra- meaning, In other words, you shouldn't eat an animal which is not accepted. The Ramam claims it's actually a mitzvah say to determine that the animal, or to ascertain, that the animal is, is, uh, falls within the category of those animals that are accepted. The Kesef Mishnah claims that this is linked, connected, to another machlag between the Rambam and the Rabbit with regards to Shechita. The Rambam writes that there's a mitzvah say to shecht an animal uh, in the proper fashion, and the Rabbit disagrees. He argues that it's not a mitzvah say to shecht an animal, it's a lava bomichlala say 
that you shouldn't have, it's a prohibition that's implied, you shouldn't have an animal that's not kashochten, but there's no mitzvahs assay to ascertain that it was shechted properly. But again, here the Rambam counts a mitzvahs assay to ascertain that the animal is uh, from those permitted categories and not from one that is not permitted. The Tzafnos Paneach, which is the rugged shover in his comments, the beginning of Hilchus Macholas Asuros, though, has a chakira within this opinion of the Rambam. This is, is his opinion that you just have to de, uh, determine that the animal is from an acceptable uh, species? Or perhaps there's actually a mitzvah or the mitzvah is not just determined that it's from a permitted species, but to actually uh, examine the simanim on every single animal. What is the mitzvah To determine, according to the Rav, it's just a prohibition not to eat uh, animals that are not accepted. But according to the Rambam, that there's a mitzvah to determine the acceptable status, the kosher status of the animal, is the mitzvah say warrant that we uh, determine that the animal is from a permitted species, or permitted type, or uh, that we actually have to examine to be boidek the simonim themselves. So the later Achrenim claim that this is perhaps, depends on two different girsos in the Rambam, the beginning of Hilchus Machos Asuras. The Rambam writes, mitzvah say, and the girsos that we have, is leida hasimonim, to know the simonim that distinguish between the animals that are accepted and those that aren't. Based on the Pasuk, <laughs> However, in the Frankel Rambam, he brings another gear so. Not mitzvah say leida, but a mitzvah say livdoik, to actually examine the simonim, the snapier vikaskesas, to actually examine them on each individual animal. That's what it sounds like, that's the mitzvah say. Not just to know it's from a permitted species, but to actually to know that it's a kosher animal, but to actually to examine uh, to actually examine these simonim, and that's how it sounds like from the Sefer Achinoch. That's what's implied. Look at the Sefer Achinoch writes, "Mitzvah Kufnon Gimel, Let's say a person eats an animal and he did not examine the simonim. El He saw that it has one of the permitted simonim, you know, one of the well, distinguishing factors. V'samachalov." He relied on that and he ate it. Even though later on he finds out what he ate was permitted. implies that even though you ate a kosher animal, but since you didn't examine the simanim themselves, you were mavatel mitzvah sasei. And that's the, uh, that's the opinion. That's how the Minchas Chinuch understood the Sefer Chinuch. That there's actually a mitzvah say to examine the simonim on each individual animal. So Not just to know it's a makasha species. What? I oh, know, but this, this doesn't apply that, that, that you need to know. Yeah, this is that you don't know. This is an animal. That Correct. You know, one, one could understand the Sefer Chinuch differently. A, one could minimize the impact of the Sefer Chinuch. He's saying you ate a questionable animal. You didn't know. Yeah. Or it's an animal that is unknown at this point. Yeah. It was so once. It's so once. Okay. Correct. One could have understood the Sefer in that way, but some understand it in a more extreme formulation, is that you actually have to examine so the simanim on each individual animal. So in the more extreme formulation, you can't go into a bunch of stuff. Well, that's right. We'll get to one second. This could depend on a more alumdashah hakira into what is the role of simanim. In the yeshivish uh, terminology, we could call it, is it a simon or is it a siba? Are the simanim the determining uh, factor, the, stat- the kosher status of the animal? Is that itself what generates uh, the acceptability of the animal is the fact that it has these simanim, or perhaps these simanim are more indicators of the fact that this is from a kosher species, but the kosher species is inherently kosher, not as a result of the simanim, 
Simanim don't uh, de- de- determine the status. They're indicators of a status, huh? It's the chiyav on each person. Each time you eat, so you got every time you don't... You're switching the focus to me, but one could understand that even within the animal itself, is the simanim what makes it kosher, or is the simanim an indicator that this is a kosher species? So So if one goes with this understanding of the Rambam, or with this here, so in the Rambam, that a mitzvah say livdoik, or perhaps the more extreme understanding of the Sefer Achinoch, so then that would preclude one from having any fish that doesn't have uh, the simonim uh, present. So any fish fillet that you would buy where it doesn't have the simonim, that, unless it was checked previously by a mashkiach, but if it was no mashkiach who initially checked it when it had the simonim, even if you would know with absolute certainty that this is from a kosher fish, you would not be you would be mavato a mitzvah to eat the fish, and certainly then any uh, fish that arrives in a can that was not previously established uh, checked by a uh, mashkiach would be problematic. However, the darkei tshuva, which is the minchas the munkach rebbe's comments on Yeridea in the darkei tshuva, he argues that this cannot possibly uh, be the case. This is not the pshat in the Rambam, not the pshat. And the Sefer Achino, because Mikey was already uh, arguing. The first proof that he has that this cannot possibly be the Pshat is because the Rambam looked back at Ois Beis, the Rambam writes, Mitzvah say Leida, either to know that it's a kosher fish or Livdoi to actually examine that it's a kosher uh, animal. You have to examine the Simanim, Shemavdilim Bahen, Bain Behema, Vachaya Vaoif. Now, a, a bird has no Simanim. It's only the 24 that are unaccepted, the rest are accepted. Chazal gave them Simanim. But no one is going to argue that the simanim that Chazal uh, formulated are the determining uh, factor in whether or not this animal, this bird, is kosher, is accepted or not. Those uh, simanim are more mnemonics in order that, you know, an easy tool for us to, to differentiate between those that are accepted or not. But the simanim cannot, by birds, establish the kosher status of, a, of an animal. So it cannot be from the fact that the Ramam includes to be baidik the simanim of an oif, that implies that the simanim are not what, uh, what determines the kosher status of the animal or not. It's just an indicator. But moreover, it seems to be against the Gemara in Masech the Zara. The Gemara tells us in Masech the Zara about a uh, fish that does not have a snap here of a doesn't have fins and scales presently, but it will grow it later. But it will grow it later. Kegon has sultanis apits. So if the simanim would be the determining factor that what labels the animals, the kosher animal, is the simanim, so then they would have to have it presently. You couldn't eat it till it actually develops, the simanim. But from the fact that the Gemara says that if uh, this species, you know, will later on develop, even though it doesn't have it presently, that uh, species of fish uh, can be allowed. So from that, uh, Gemara says the Dark Yitzhuva, he concludes that the Simanim are just indicators of uh, kosher status of the animal, but the animal is kosher whether or not uh, you examine the Simanim or not. What then does the Sefer Achinoch, what in the Rambam discussing, is an animal that you don't know the status. I don't know whether this species is a kosher species or not. So then you have to examine the Simanim, and if you didn't, you'd be Mavatul HaMitzvah But once I could determine that it's from a kosher species, uh, so then, uh, I know that this uh, type of fish has snapper even though I didn't examine it myself, uh, then it can be allowed. So it's one is no, as long as one knows with absolute certainty that uh, the fish that he's eating is a kosher fish, it can be allowed, even if you did not examine the simonim uh, yourself. That's how the Dark Yitzhuva concludes, and that's generally what's accepted. 
The problem is, so then in theory, we could allow a fish fillet, even though it was not examined in a, when it had uh, you know, its skin on it with the fins and scales, wasn't examined by a mashkiach, if you could know with certainty that it's from a kosher fish. Or in theory, we could have allowed a fish that arrived in a can, which one could also not, uh, you don't have the opportunity to examine the simonim. However, another, the, the problem that arises is, but you can't believe whoever is offering you the fish, unless it was uh, from a mashkiach, someone who has nemonus, you can't believe the non-Jew. And Nachri has no nemonus in halacha. The Pasuk tells us in Parsha Shoftim, Kasha Zomam Lasas La'ochiv, we punish the Edom Zomim in that same punishment that they sought to inflict on their friend. Ochiv, you have to be Ochiv B'mitzvah in order to be believed in Hilchus Edos. So a Nachri is uh, not believed in Hilchus Edos, will not be believed to the kosher status, something we're familiar with, cannot believe a Nachri as to the kosher status of uh, food or not. So yeah, if you could know that it was, this fish fillet was from a kosher fish with absolute certainty, so then you could have it. But you can't walk into the fish store and the guy will tell you, the proprietor will tell you, who's not Jewish, that this is from a tilapia, a kosher fish, but you can't believe him. So how could you possibly know? So therefore, any fish fillet, even if it's labeled as coming from a kosher fish, should have been a problem. And is a problem, with one exception. And that is a salmon. They quote a Messiah tradition from Ramosha that any uh, pink fleshed fish is from a kosher fish because there's only two fish that have such uh, a pigment to their uh, flesh. And that is the salmon and the red trout, both of which are kosher fish. So since... They call the fish artificially. So those are the only two fish that have that color uh, flesh and therefore you could assume it's a simon muvak you can know with certainty that if you see such a fish, and it's labeled as such, you can't believe the label, but you see the color of the skin, the flesh, you know that it's from uh, a kosher fish. However, others disagree with uh, Ramosha's, uh, with Ramosha's uh, uh, assessment. Why? Even though that might have been true at one time, but uh, now there's a new industry called farmed salmon. It used to be all salmon, all fish ran in the wild. It doesn't mean that they're more active. They're just uh, you know, found in, the, in their natural habitat. So wild salmon, you know, outside they eat whatever they come across. But then salmon were being overfished and uh, other uh, health considerations. So now there's farmed, born organic, so now there's farmed salmon, which they grow, uh, they breed in boxes inside of the ocean and, uh, can, you know, contained habitats. And they noticed that the flesh of the salmon was more pale. didn't have the same color that the wild salmon. So they realized the flesh of the salmon is not uh, naturally red. It comes uh, as a result of the, fi- the food that it eats, the sea life that it eats, the lobster, krill, whatever salmon eat, uh, contains within it carotenes, which is the same uh, vitamin that you have in uh, carrots and apricots and sweet potatoes. And that uh, carotenes gives the salmon, uh, the flesh, that color. So the problem was the, the farm salmon, people, the consumers used to seeing pink salmon. They see white salmon, people don't know what to do with it, it wasn't selling as well. So they wanted to uh, uh, color the flesh of the farm salmon as well. So they started feeding it artificial carotenes, and the, uh, they don't want to feed it the, the sea life. So they fed it the artificial carotenes, and the flesh of the salmon changed to be the, the, the pink color that we're accustomed to. So many then argued one minute that we could artificially manipulate the color of the flesh of the salmon. Why can't a person artificially manipulate the flesh of the color of any fish and take some sort of cheaper fish and make it some fake salmon? 
So even though it's labeled as salmon, it might not really be salmon. You can't tell based on the color of the flesh anymore because it could be artificially manipulated by giving a carotene, uh, carotene supplement. We're not done yet. There's more to say. But, huh? We'll get to one second. One second. Good point. Excellent. You're 100% right. We'll get to your one, one point. So then others argued, and all you did studies on this, they uh, contracted it out to study this, because how would anybody know this unless you actually uh, you know, conducted your own studies, not something that's generally uh, cared about in the, the world out there. But they uh, conducted their own studies where they determined they gave uh, carotene supplements to many different types of fish, and none of the flesh of the fish changed color to be the color of salmon. And the uh, professionals explained that it's because carotene supplements by most animals uh, are either expelled or they're digested and stored in other areas of the body. Not every animal stores carotene in the flesh. For example, human beings store carotene in the skin. That's why if a person, uh, one of the ingredients in tanning supplements is carotene. And that changes not the color of your flesh. Flesh remains the same color, but human beings you get, as we all know from presidential politics, gets, a, gets a, an orangey uh, tinge to it. <laughs> That's from tanning supplements. So that changes the color of skin. The only fish, the only animal where it changes the color of the fish is the salmon. So that's the only one that could be artificially manipulated by the carotene either. So Ramesh's tradition... Without knowing it. Ramesh's tradition, right, right. can't say without knowing Here we go. I never have to start up here. So Ramesh's tradition that the only kosher fish, that the only fish that has this kind of color of flesh is a kosher fish wouldn't still, in fact, still be intact. And therefore, if you buy, one can buy a salmon filet as long as, you know, as long as it has this tinge to it, to the identifying quality the color of the uh, of the flesh. If you buy it from a factory, so you don't even have to wash off the fish because they only cut salmon with the um, equipment. If you buy it from a non-factory cut salmon, you buy it from a fish store, then you have to wash it well because they might have used a, a different knife. But it's just for some people a problem. We buy trays of herring that comes from Holland. That's big. As they're being caught in a certain season, they're being right away cleaned. So, I mean, I... Maybe you could find uh, one or two of his cascasses, uh, but let's say there's none. And it says on it. And, it was and there's no extra on it. No extra on it. And the cold? Is it cold? for you. They all use the same thing. No, but well, no, you fish. see the whole fish? You see the whole fish, but it's clean. The yeah, cousin, but the, the schwanz is there. But you see, but the ah, but you see the fish. You see the fish. No, but there's no skins. Uh, no, yes, yeah, so that's like the sardines. Sardines also. Yeah, there's no the really Yeah, but you don't have to examine the simonim as long as you know it's from a herring fish. Right. So then that. No, we said you don't have to examine the simonim. No one holds you have to examine the simon on every fish. What all you have to do is determine it's from a kosher species. So it could be the pink color of the fish, the pink color of this flesh, like the salmon, or it could be your fish. But you have a salmon. Who would be kosher anyway? No. If you have the fish, it's not a herring. No, what fish is not kosher? Okay, we'll we'll come back to the herring herring discussion. So because of this, though... Red caviar, but this is not connected. That's already the shock. The shock says red eggs. The only red caviar comes from kosher. 
any caviar that's red is from a kasha fish. That's from a shach. That's not the the oyu. The the newer thing is the red color of the salmon. That's a. The two are not. They make the point. The two are not connected. The red color of the salmon and the red color of the caviar are two separate uh, two separate messiahs. However, with regards to the tuna fish in the can, that's uh, much more difficult because tuna does not have an identifying quality. So we have to rely on the nakri who's at the cannery or is on the fishing boats to assume that this is in fact a tuna fish. So because of that, so the sardines, which were generally always accepted, you have a different, you can see the fish a little bit. So the sardines were generally, uh, the, which was a mechleikis when it happened, but there were many who were making on the sardines because you see, see the fish. But with regards to the tuna fish in the cans, there's no uh, identifying quality. You cannot determine what kind of fish it is other than believing them that it's a tuna fish, and therefore we have a problem with their monos. So because of that, when uh, Rav Moshe has a Chuvenegris Moshe, but it was already earlier from Rav Hankin, Rav Moshe was, later, that they both argued one cannot have the tuna fish from the can, because you can't rely unless there's a mashkiach tmidi there, because you cannot rely on the nakrim who, uh, who, who tell us that it's a, a tuna fish. You have to know with certainty, or have someone who's a nemon, and since there's no identifying quality, there's a problem of nemonus. However, Rabbi Yaakov Breish, in his Chuvus in the Chalkas Yaakov, argues uh, that perhaps it can be allowed based on a uh, Ramah. The Yardea tells us, Shochanach tells us him a pay gimel, siv zayin, that kirve dagim, kirve dagim is fish fillets. You're not allowed, there's no uh, skin on it though, so you can't see the fish. So you're not allowed to buy a fish fillet unless it's from a Yisrael. Hamaycher. Right, he tells us, I salted the fish and I took it out of the skin. However, the Ramah adds, oi, oi ve gilulim. Or if a nachri tells you. So the Shach uh, is upset. The Shach on that show, Sif and Shochanach says, well, how can you believe the Nachri? Nachri has no Nehmonus. Because he has a reputation for it. Oh, so those who, uh, the later Achorinim explain, and the Rabbi Yaakov Brash as well, that what the Ramah is discussing is an Uman, a person who does this professionally. Since he does it professionally, he's not going to risk his professional reputation and cut a corner and uh, stoop in a fish that doesn't belong. And the source for this uh, assumption is the Gemara Navoy the Zara and based with regards to a very similar case. The Gemara discusses murias, which is a fish brine, but then the Gemara says, af chilek, which is a small kosher fish, if it comes from an uman, then it's mutter, meaning even if though he's a nachri. And Rashi explains, what is this chilek? Min dagem tahirim, a type of kosher fish, uvekat nusoy eloy snapir v'kaskeses. When it's young and not mature, it doesn't have a snapir v'kaskeses, but also the gad man, it will grow later. So the Gemara says on Lamed Tesemet Aleph in Avodah Zarah, Chilik Shalayvik Kachavim also, you can't believe him that it's the kosher fish. Because even though that's a min dag tahar, that's a kosher species, nonetheless, Mipnei Irvuna Oleima, there is a tray for fish that is caught together with the Chilik. And it's hard to know what the difference is between the Chilik and the Irvuna. Dagim Tameim, Daimim Lava Oleima, it's caught together. So, but if it comes, you can't believe if it comes from an Akhri. But if it comes from an Uman, that's his profession, then Rashi says it can be allowed. But Hayekhi like Uman came into Uman who Baki Badabar. Since he's an expert at this, Mavdilan Hayemana, he will remove it. Mishom Lokhashiv Taimo Makalki, it's bad for the flavor. And it will ruin the, uh, the mixture. Umara Leilakule Arbe, it's gonna ruin everything. And he won't, uh, risk his professional reputation. Uh, in order to cut uh, a corner here or there. This is the same uh, 
assumption we find in other uh, venues in Halacha too. The Mishnah tells us, for example, Mishnah Masech Tzubas and if a woman is taken captive, Nishbeis al Iske Maman, for a ransom, if she, when she's returned, she's presumed to be mutter to her husband. If she was taken al Iske Nefoshis, then we have to assume that she was Mizana in order to save her life, and if she does get returned to her husband, she would be prohibited to her husband. But if it's al Iske Maman, we would assume that the uh, captors would not have relations with her because they'll risk the, 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 the parnasa. They'll risk the value at the end and they're not going to cut corners in order to, and, and risk the, <laughs> the value, risk their parnasa at the end. So, so to over here, the, uh, argues the Chalkas Yaakov, that's why the Ramah allowed the Kirve Dagm if it comes from an Oved Gilulim who's an Uman. And in our context as well, these uh, fish, the, the people on the fishing boats, and then they later they bring it to the uh, to the middleman, and then to the canneries. They check over and over and over again, and they de-incentivize bringing back other fish. If it's any fish that's uh, not a tuna fish, they throw it back in. And even the reality is on the ground, if it's not one of the three more uh, the best types of tuna fish, not albacore, skipjack, or yellowfin, they throw it back. Even if it's an inferior type of tuna, they throw it back. Because it's just not worth it to keep it on the boat. But even more than that, the equipment is made up to cook. Each albacore is cooked in one type of equipment, at one temperature, skipjack and another one, yellowfin and another one. So it would uh, corrupt the entire uh, batch if you would mix in another, uh, another, uh, another type of fish. So we could rely on this, umalo maram nusayu, that uh, to believe the nachri in this uh, situation, since that is his profession, that uh, the fish are in fact tuna fish. Accepted no. So it's surprising that Ramosha did not accept it. Ramosha maintained that the, the tuna fish has to have a mashkiach tmidi. <coughs> Others argue, the OU, as well known, gave a hashkacha, even though there was no mashkiach tmidi, but Ramosha's opinion was you need a mashkiach tmidi. I personally find it surprising, given Ramosha's position with regards to the no, milk in America. Ramosha argued you don't need chal of Yisrael because you have the... Uh, the government is monitoring it, and the, that uh, it serves as a deterrent uh, to, for people mixing in uh, trafe, trafe milks, you know, from, from another type of animal. So, so Ramosha assumed that that was a sufficient deterrent, and we could therefore believe, you know, you could have milk even though there's no ashkocha on it. So to, why would you argue that there's any difference by the, by the tuna fish? I don't know, I don't know why he would distinguish between why? the two. He believes in government of industry. Huh? He believes in government of industry. I understand. So, oh, oh, that's only if there's government involvement. Don't give me. I don't know about all that. Were they mixed off? Huh? They claim that it's not the case. Sushi tuna, maybe. But that's coming from everything made in China. You never know where it comes from. Japanese, I don't know. I don't know. But it's generally assumed that the 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 uh, they, they say the dolphin has no has no benefit to them. They, they throw them back in. It's absolutely no use. That's what they rely on. Is this similar to Svavlachakas Yaakov? However, they do accept. Look, it, it must be a, at least it's at least a theoretical possibility that another animal could get mixed in another fish. They claim that it, it they, and all the times that they've checked, they've never found another fish mixed in with the tuna fish. But they are, they do concede, concede that it's at least a, a theoretical possibility. But even though it is a theoretical possibility, one has the right to assume, as we do in all areas of Hilchas Kashrus, that any can that you have emanates from the roiv, the overwhelming majority of uh, cans, which do contain only uh, tuna fish. However, that argument might not be sufficient, because the Rivash writes in Simen Kuftzari Beis, 
with regards to animals that you have no right to rely on the roiv. Look, most birds in the world are kosher birds. There's only uh, 24 that are unaccepted. So why do Chazal have to give a simonim for the birds that are accepted? Just say, but they go based on the roiv. Roiv birds in the world are kosher. So even if you don't know whether this bird is or not, go based on the roiv. So says the rivash must be when it comes to determining the kosher status, acceptable status for an animal, uh, whether that species is allowed or not, you have to know with absolute certainty and you cannot rely on the roiv, even if it's a miut. Rav Asher Weizen, the Sefer Minchas Asher, understands uh, the comment of the Rivash to be saying that when the Torah says, you have to know with certainty. It means the Pasuk is instructing us not to rely on the roiv. Know with certainty, determine conclusively that this is, a, is an acceptable animal. He compares it, even though again it's in a different context, it's a similar argument we might be familiar with from Sviras HaOmer, the Baal Amor, at the end of Mesechtas Psachim, asks, how come we don't count Sviras HaOmer taking into account the Sveikah the Yomer? It's like, we have two days Yantif, let's count two days Sviras HaOmer. So the Dvar Avram answers in his Truvis that it's because when the Torah says, Uzfartim Lochem, uh, you should count the 50 day, the 49 days of Sviras HaOmer, accounting implies that you know with certainty. You count three, maybe four, four, maybe five, that's not counting. Counting implies you know. To determine, uh, absolutely. Okay, maybe not. But the argument is fair. So, so too, says, uh, <laughs> different terrors. I think it was on top of this. But the Dvar Avram claims that that's what's implied by Uzfatim Lachem. So, too, uh, claims of Asher Weiss, that's how he understood this reverse, is that he's saying, Don't rely on Rob. If you're not sure, then that's not called mowing. Tyra says, No, with certainty that this is a kosher, uh, kosher animal that you can eat, not to rely on the Rob. You don't need the Dvar Avram, because doesn't the Gemara always say that when you have the word Zeh or Zos? It means with certainty. It means yeah. with certainty. Yeah. It could be every Pusk in the Tyra is like that, but it's a large one. That's why Sveikah the Rice might be the Kulam and the Rice. Why can't you say for reverse of Shiloh? It's just the Ramachita that you need to see. You have to know that this is kosher. So okay. So, but, but we rely on Rive and Kolator Kula no, in every area of kosher. No, but because. Uh, there's a mitzvah to know. So maybe the reverse is like the Rambam. There's a mitzvah to know. Yes. Okay. You could understand that context as well. I like that. Very nice. Yes. However, even if we would accept the reverse's argument, which is compelling, um, the OU argues that this is not even a Rive. This is not even a suffix at all. It's so far-fetched, we actually know with certainty that it's all kosher fish. Because even the Rivash concedes, he argues that he cannot rely on the Rav, that there could be such a far-fetched minority that we don't even have to be concerned with it at all. Because if you look back at the Rambam, where is it? Oh, he quotes it. Oh, in Oisches, the Rambam brings the simanim of the kosher birds. And then the Rambam writes, you know, the simon that Chazal gave us, which is really, you know, just to help us to determine the status of those birds that are, the trends of those birds that are kosher and those that are not accepted. Chazal gave us the common denominators of those that are and those that aren't. He, uh, the Rambam writes, it really doesn't account for all scenarios, because there is, there are some birds that don't fit into the categories. Could go ahead, like the Peres and the Yosnia. They don't fit into the simon that Chazal gave us. But say the Rambam, the Rambam writes, even though those are treif, they're not acceptable animals to eat, and they don't fit into the simon, and the simonim are still useful and still helpful because those animals don't occur in our, uh, in, in our uh, communities. Ain't in Mitsuyim Beyishuv in the settled part of the world, Hayam, far off desert somewhere, Bimidinas Hayam, Shehain Soif Hayishuv. They don't appear in our communities with any sort of frequency.
So uh, those who argue that even the Rivash, Rivash himself is aware of this. He says, if it occurs with some amount of frequency, it, it, you know, even if it's 10%, 5%, but it happens that you could have a trade for animal sneaks in. But if it never happens, it's one in a thousand. It's a theoretical possibility, but in the real statistics, it doesn't show up. It's so far-fetched, so that should be the same as the Ozni on the Paris that the Rambam was not con- uh, concerned with, even though it's a theoretical possibility that it could appear, one could have migrated so far. But since it's so far-fetched, we don't have to be concerned with it. It's not even a suffix. It's not that we're following a rough. It's not even a suffix. For example, we find, the Gemara tells us in the this humor that if, as we know, when Pikuach uh, Nefesh is Daicha, only assuming the Torah with, uh, with three exceptions. But not only is a Absolutely, you know, a certain case of pikuach nefesh doichi surim, even a suffix pikuach nefesh is doichi surim, and even if it's just a, uh, a minority chance, a roiv would tell us that this is not a situation, a life-threatening situation, or we cannot uh, save the person's life; he's too far gone. But it's not a life-saving uh, situation on Shabbos or with regards to other isurim. There's a roiv against the pikuach nefesh. Ein halchem pikuach nefesh achar We don't follow the roiv. We would be Machal Shabbos, we would be over another Yisurim for, for a life-saving activity, even if it's just a minority chance. However, at the same time, the Pesachet Shuv and Yerodei and Hochas quotes in the name of the Chsam Seifer, that if it's so far-fetched, it's not even a suffix. Chsam Seifer was discussing a Bryson Mesech the Smochus. At one time, they went to bury someone in a vault, and they heard someone uh, knocking from the other caver. You know, let me out. <laughs> and they opened it up, and the guy was alive. There was a guy, they buried him alive. And so they asked the Sam Seifer, at his time it was popular in the secular culture, that was just the context of the tshuva, that perhaps we shouldn't bury people until three days after they're determined to be dead. Because maybe we're, uh, we're not the Bakiyam to determine people are dead. You see already in the Bryce Smachas, they buried someone alive. So don't we have to be afraid about that? So let's keep them around for three days, and after three days we'll bury them so we know that they were actually dead when we buried them. So the Sam Seifer says, even though the Bryce Masech Tesmachus is absolutely true. That happened. And by the way, it's true in our times too. It happens, if you monitor the news, it happens every six to eight months. I once collected them to show my Talmudim. I could have a whole folder of the news stories. Doc, in legitimate, reputable sources, this happens every six to eight months. They're in the middle of an autopsy, and the woman wakes up, someone wakes up. It's happened to a few people too, you know, a few times. But it happens. There's no doubt about it that this happens. It's extremely uncommon. You know, in the entire world of people who die, it happens maybe once every eight months. So, okay, so it's echamine elef alofim, one every thousands, but it happens, and the Samsefer was aware of it, yet the Samsefer says, we don't have to be concerned with it because it's so infrequent, it's not even a suffix. It's not that we're following a rod. This is someone's life, we don't follow the rod. This is not even a suffix, it's so far-fetched. So, so too, it's not that we're following the rov. So too, one can make a similar argument here as well. It's not that we're following the rov uh, when it comes to determining that the fish inside of the can is a tuna fish. It's not even a... It's not, which Rivash claims you can't do. It's not even a suffix. It's so far-fetched that uh, such a scenario could occur. There is one final hurdle that uh, you have to overcome in allowing a tuna fish in a can, and that is the issue of bishalakim, because they do cook the fish. The nachrim cook the fish. Before, before they put it in the can, and then once it's in the can, they steam the fish before they put it in the can, and it's edible at that point, but in order to be acceptable in our the government regulations, all the bacteria has to be killed, and it allows it to last longer. 
sushi. People eat sashimi. It's nechel chai. Yeah, but the fish in the can has to be. Uh, yeah, no, but cooked. I'm saying once this. T- I've never heard that argument. Most of the fish today, ah, I mean, good basically, I mean, I don't know if you most, but big part Very good. Is some parts of the world. All right, excellent. I hear it. I hear it. I, I, would, I, I didn't think of it. I, I didn't see it in the literature regarding the tuna fish in the cans, but it's a, it's a good suggestion. Yeah. However... <laughs> They steam the fish and then they cook it in the cans, which was already an issue with the sardines, uh, which are also cooked. And with regard to the sardines, the cool that many had with regard to the sardines should apply here to the tuna fish as well. And it was based really on, uh, on a two-pronged, uh, or a, a cooler that's based on two different sneefim, neither one which is really accepted independently, but if you put them together, uh, perhaps that could create uh, legitimate grounds to be makele. The first snifla hakel is based on... Uh, a suggestion of the Maritz Salhon that's quoted by the Chidah. The Mishnah tells us in Mesephus of Adizar on Daflam and Hayam Abayz that Bishol Akam and Pasakam are both prohibited. And the Bishayim explain because of a Chashash Ben Isayim. You might come to marry the person's daughter. I'll enjoy the cooking, I'll enjoy the bread. So I might come to marry his daughter and have a lifetime supply of this, uh, this bread or this, uh, this dish. However, the Yushalmi tells us in Mesephus of Adizar, Pasakam was too difficult for Klaus to maintain, it was too burdensome. And whenever Xera is Ainat Sibo Yochalamadba, they can't maintain it, so the Xera take the, does not become normative or authoritative, it's only if it becomes accepted by the majority of Kalangisra. So in order to make the Xera of Pasakum something which could be sustained, they allowed Paspalter, which is bread that's baked by a professional. Since it's baked by a professional, why would I marry his daughter to get the bread? I could just buy it in the bakery shop. It's cheaper, easier, you know, less, uh, less thorny. Exactly. So buy it in the bakery shop. So paspalter is allowed. Was there such a dispensation with regards to bishalakim or not? So the Chidah and the Shirei Bracha quotes in the name of the Marit Salhon, such a dispensation exists with regards to bishalakim as well. That there's a heter of palter, if he's a professional. The Chidah did not accept that kula. He says, no, that was a heter by Pas Akum, because that was so burdensome, Pas is chaye nefesh. You can't exist without Pas. If you're not going to allow Pas Palta that's baked by a professional or in a factory, people wouldn't be able, uh, it would be too, too, too burdensome. But with regards to Bishal Akum, there never was uh, such a kula. But that is the suggestion of the Just like there's a heter of Pas Palta, there's a heter of Bishal Palta, or Bishal of a professional as well. Ramosha, interestingly, is quoted by uh, his Talmud, by Ephraim Greenblatt in the River Voice Ephraim, as claiming, uh, explaining why we don't accept the coup of the Maritz Salhon, is because yeah, it was a light plug. We don't allow you to get uh, you know, f- eggs that are cooked by a Nachri in a restaurant because it might be confusing, though he's a professional. That should be like a bishul palter. You might come to confuse it with eggs that's cooked in someone's private home. So just like we prohibited eggs in the private home, we can't allow the eggs that's cooked by a professional, the dish is cooked by a professional. But let's say the way they cook it in the factory is not similar to the way that it's cooked in the home. No one cooks it like that, or they're not possible to cook it like that. You need industrial machinery to cook it in that fashion. So Moshe claims that it was never included in the loy plug. Then it should be allowed. We would have a hetter of past palter or past uh, companies or past factories by Bishel as well. And that was one of Ramesh's coolers by the sardines. Or he's discussing egg rolls. If you can't possibly make it in your home in the same way they make it in the factory, uh, that was never included. You're not going to marry the guy's daughter. You can never ascertain who the guy's daughter is. It's somewhere in a factory and it's just a guy pushing a button. The same way. 
Wine is a separate chasash. Niso, it's not because you might come to marry his daughter. It's a separate category of Isurim. So that's the head of Bisho Palter. Marit Salhon said it, and many didn't accept it. Rabbi claims if it's in a can, you know, we would never, no one makes tuna fish like this in the home. So perhaps uh, independently we could be mounted for that reason. But uh, Diane Weiss uh, puts this together with another kula, and that is that the fish is only steamed. First it's steamed. So Shalmi says in Avodah Zarah that even though smoking is considered to be uh, Bisho with regards to b- b- Shabbos, if you smoke food on Shabbos, that's Bisho, for the Malach of Bisho. With regards to Bisho Lakum, uh, they never answered uh, smoking. They only answered more formidable types of cooking, like uh, real cooking or baking. You know, that they answered in terms of Bisho Lakum, not smoking. So some argue that steam should be the same as uh, smoking, as Mu'ushan. That's a discussion which he quotes in the Dark Ketshuva, How do we view steam? Is steam like cooking, like with liquid? That that's included in the Xer Bishalakim, or perhaps it's like Mu'ushan, which is like uh, smoking, which uh, sh- should not be included in Bishalakim. So if you put that argument that uh, it's only steam, which is questionable, that's included in Bishalakim in the first place, together with the fact that it's made in a factory, you never be able to ascertain who the guy's daughter is, let alone marry his daughter. If you have a head of palti, you put those two together, you can allow the Bishalakim uh, as well. About, do they use a kind of a knife that wasn't clean? Yeah, because they're only cut through that. They're only cutting through that. In a place where it's known to be called, let's say you go to China and there's canteen you want to buy, and you don't know anything. No, the same, the assumptions wouldn't apply. First of all, you need, all of these have hashkachas on them to make sure that they, after at least it gets to the plant, or everything is done in Kedasu Kedin. The real child is having them on the boats. Yeah, yeah. In China, whenever you leave America, all the assumptions with the milk also doesn't apply. You can't drink milk in China. You can't drink milk in China. Even in Europe.